0: Hello and welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fed Talks. Hey, how's everyone doing? Uh, last week I uh, talked a little about my anxiety, uh, just in case anybody wants to check in. It has not gotten better, but it also hasn't gotten worse. It actually, it got a little worse, but that was all work related reasons. That's stuff I can point to. Uh, I still have deep dread about the state of our potential future, but. I'm not getting into that this week uh, And probably next week we're going to have to do An all TV talk episode Because uh, uh, What we do in the shadows is back Better Call Saul is back Nathan Fielder's new show The the rehearsal is out And it's fantastic uh, I've been watching The Bear on on FX and that's really good and brings back bad memories of working in a bakery even though this is about a restaurant there's still similar uh similar specifics i guess uh so that has been been a very stressful boy i hope i'm still recording uh just pooped out on me but it looked like it kept recording. If it, if it didn't, I was just talking briefly about The Bear on FX and how I'll talk about that next week. Uh, right now, i got to clear off time for the franchise report because this is a big week. I have finished the American Pie series. Not only will I talk about the final movie in the series, I will rank the nine American Pie movies. But we'll save that for last. Uh... So I'm just going to get to it to make sure I have time. Also, Better Call Saul starts soon, so this episode may run short. I've been saying that lately, and then they run long. Uh, Time management is not one of my skills, nor is talking, nor is anything technical. So, frankly, this is maybe not the best medium for me. Uh, uh, Over in Marvel, we saw Captain America, America, Civil War. Uh, Look, this is a movie. I don't know that I've seen it since it was in theaters. If you asked me if I liked it, I'd say yeah. I never, re- I didn't really go back. It, you know, it kind of came out back when the, there started to be a lot of Marvel movies, so you didn't go back and rewatch everything unless you had kids like my friend Billy who uh, want to watch them all the time. Uh, I had, I had pleasant memories of it, and I will say that. Watching it now, along with uh, Thor The Dark World, it's one of the movies that's gone up the most, in my estimation, from a rewatch. It's... Look, this is the movie that introduces Black Panther and (laughs) Spider-Man. And also gives Ant-Man the ability to get really big, which is my favorite thing that can happen in a movie. Uh, And also the vision wears casuals. Uh, Just on his regular vision body. It's very good. Uh, Just to touch briefly... It also... uh, This weird little angle. There's like this tech demo where... uh, That generates us a scene from Tony's past. And that's key to the second Spider-Man movie. Which I totally forgot that was actually... Mysterio's motive was actually established in a previous movie, but we'll talk about that when we get to that movie in a few weeks. Uh, but that that was cool. Uh, here's the thing. What I appreciate about this is a movie that ends up having 12 superheroes in it, and they have a fight. And I feel like it is remarkably easy to follow, uh, even for people who... You know, you don't have to come into it with like a with like a lot of comics knowledge. If you've been watching the movies, you you can track what happens in this one just fine. Uh, it's kind of amazing that there are that many characters, uh, and obviously these directors go on to do uh, Infinity War and Endgame, which have even more characters. But I feel like this is very much sort of a a trial. Uh, the big fight is a lot of fun, and one thing I noticed this time is no matter who your favorite character is uh they come away looking good like you know the guys without powers like like falcon and hawkeye and black widow get just as many hits as as iron man and uh and uh ant-man my favorite uh who does cool things when he's little and also gets big, but no matter who your favorite is, you can kind of walk away from that fight scene going, yeah, my guy was really the star of that. And it's kind of amazing the way they make that work. Uh, it's also very fun to see Spider- Spider-Man. They, this version is, is really good. And we can talk more about him in the Spider-Man movies, but uh, I like the, like they don't even bother with the origin. They just They just bring him in. There's a kid, going out doing Spider-Man stuff. Ding. Uh, And I think putting him in, because the other Spider-Man movies do not have other heroes in them, uh, putting him in this big group scene really sort of brings out what's different about him. And one of the things I think they do very well is how his constant talking is incredibly irritating to the people he's fighting because he is obviously a very young man. And he's just wailing on adults, and also just constantly chattering. And it also makes it clear that the reason he can't shut up is because he's terrified. And I think that's a that's a very that's a very fun take on Spider-Man. Uh, and it gives him a lot of personality that makes him stand out from from the other characters in the scene. Uh, like I said, Ant-Man gets big. That's great. It's real fun. Uh, I also like that as soon as somebody actually gets for real hurt, like the fighting kind of stops. It's not, it's not a Batman v Superman where they're just flat out sociopaths who want to murder one another. Um, also, oh, this also sets up Zemo, who he's a little, you know, he's in the comics he's a major Captain America villain, and here he's just kind of a. A sad guy with a lengthy plan but I feel like the way they bring him back in Falcon and Winter Soldier really like the bones are there in this movie and when they bring him back and really kind of play up his dirtbag uh, uh, personality it's it's a lot more fun and uh, presumably he'll be involved in the Thunderbolts movie they announced which is uh, basically evil Avengers and Zemo's generally a part of that uh so that you know at the time that was one of the weak things was they the weaker things was they sort of blew one of their major villains on uh, just a guy who wants revenge because his family died and then he gives up at the end and they they, it looks like they're really doing something cool with him so you can't even hold that against it Uh, I had an actual blast watching it uh I learned that my cousin can't stand Captain America in the movies, and he's insane. Uh, I also... I forgot how antagonistic Falcon and Winter Soldier are towards one another, and uh, you know, given the way the show goes, that's a lot of fun. Also, I'm not a huge fan of Sebastian Stan in these movies. I think he's a little bland, but his interactions with Anthony Mackie are his best stuff, so smart to pair them off right um oh so here's the here's the thing that i was thinking about a lot because at the time when they did civil war in the comics which by the way is just terrible it was an awful seven issue series that with 40 tie-ins and just dumb as dishwater and uh accidentally racist and i'm putting air quotes around accidentally because the writer has a little bit of a history uh, but you know at the in the comics and then in the movie it, you know it gets people discussing the the uh you know who's right captain america or iron man should superheroes be government employees uh and first off early 2016 when this came out is sort of the last time that you can even make a good faith argument out of that because uh, if the last six years have taught us anything, I mean look, real world uh, Trump would have sent the Hulk to bust up a women's march by now Uh, it's yeah, anybody whose faith in government has not been shaken to the absolute core over the last six years uh, it hasn't paid attention enough, I guess uh, so, it, you know, that kind of doesn't work as a... It, it's a less compelling story now. It's harder to make the Iron Man case. But a thing I think is interesting is they do, you know, they sign the Sokovia Accords. Captain America's team are, are fugitives or like Hawkeye and Ant-Man go into house arrest. Uh, but we don't really know where that stands now. Like they're fugitives in infinity war, but then everything falls apart. And none of the movies since then have really alluded to it, to any heroes being, you know, outlaws. Uh, And, and partly they haven't really done anything where that might necessarily come up. Like Spider-Man's a fugitive in no way home, but it's for murder. Uh, the Eternals are unknown to the population. Shang-Chi is just a guy who's good at fighting until the end of the movie. Uh, Black Widow's a flashback. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder doesn't really take place on Earth that much. But, I think they ran into the same thing the comics did, which is that that's ultimately a bad, uh, element to force your adventure stories to include like if every movie actually had they had to get government clearance to go out and do superhero stuff or uh you know they were constantly being being uh uh targets of the authorities uh it's not a why does this always happen i swear two phone calls a week and they always happen during recording uh, anyway, my point is the the Sokovia Accords and the ideas of superheroes as government employees is sort of an unsustainable framework for ongoing stories. So I think the movies will do what the comics did and sort of uh, dispense with it off screen and then never really deal with it again. Um, but all in all, Captain America Civil War, That man, that's a winner. Uh, it's also... Uh, you can, you know, spotting the, the Bluth stair car at the big fight is fun. Uh, and uh, Dean Pelton from Community is in it. Uh, these are the Russo brothers that have been try to get a community cast member into all of their Marvel movies. And they put a bunch of Arrested Development references in. Uh, their first one was Winter Soldier, which has uh, Danny Pudi as Abed. I mean, he's not playing Abed. He could be. Who knows? Uh, Yeah. Civil War is two thumbs up. It was way more... I had positive feelings toward it and I was still surprised by how much I enjoyed watching it now. It's great. Uh, Over in James Bond land, we saw Octopussy. Which is still a title that is hard for an adult to say. Uh, And in fairness to the actual movie, they don't really make it like the first time the name is used uh because it is a character's name uh you know it gets a little eyebrow raised, but there's not a lot of entendre around it i gotta say this one's good it's got it's it tends into the silly and i hate that for the the big scene where where he has to diffuse a bond uh diffuse a bomb james bond is in a clown suit uh It's weird because you look at Roger Moore in in this one, he's 54 years old, and you can see it. But that's how old Daniel Craig is. And, you know, 54 is... It's sort of like how Tom Cruise in Fallout is the same age Wilford Brimley is in Cocoon. Or how I am currently the same age that Tommy Lee Jones is in The Fugitive. Uh, You know, some... Some of it not not with me in particular. Tommy Lee Jones has just always looked grizzled. Uh, some of it is just have to be how has to be how uh, you know modern stars are just kind of aging differently and you know what 50 something meant 30 years ago it doesn't now, but also some people look young for a long time, and some people look very old from the very beginning. Like Wilfred Brimley looked 80 since he was forty. You know, that's just a whole it's a whole subclass. Uh, but you can see he's kinda hey Roger Moore's kind of slowing down. He's uh God bless him though. One thing that all these these rewatches done is really reawakened my affection for Roger Moore. Uh I forgot to mention last week that uh in in a uh, for your eyes only it's the first one where M doesn't appear and that's because Bernard Lee died before he could film his scenes so this one introduces a new M they don't make a big deal about it being a new guy but they also don't treat him like the same character uh, but you know he's James Bond's boss chances are that's a position with a pretty high turnover anyway Trying to detonate a nuclear bomb on a U.S. military base. It goes, it goes real wild. Uh, oh, it was, uh, it was, uh, one of the writers is George MacDonald Frazier who wrote the Flashman historical novels that I devoured in college and never thought about again until I saw his name on the screen. Uh, Boy, there's not a huge amount to say. It's a lot of fun. All the action scenes are good. Uh, Jeremy Bullock, who, oh, by this point had already played Boba Fett, uh, is in a in a real brief role as one of Q's assistants. Um. Oh, and then there's because a uh, octopusy uh, leads a cult that's also a circus. And they don't do enough with that because at the end her circus performers are the ones who sort of lead the assault on, on the villain's castle. And that's so fun. I wish there had been more of that earlier in the movie, like circus action scenes. Those are real good. Uh, but I can't complain about what we got, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we got another indestructible henchman, which uh, always a plus. I love when there's a big guy who just can't be overpowered. And uh, uh, especially when, as in this one, they they show you how powerful they are by crushing something to dust in their hand. Uh, In this case, it's a pair of dice. Uh, There's also a knife-throwing pair of twins. There's a lot of weird stuff in this one. It is very fun. Uh, The next in the series is technically A View to a Kill, which is incorrectly identified in the credits of this one as From a View to a Kill. Uh, I guess not incorrectly. They just changed the title after they put it out. But next week we're going to watch uh, the non—the out of continuity Bond, which is a weird thing to say given that this series has no continuity. But uh, it's not made by Eon Studios, and it's Sean Connery coming back to play Bond one last time and never say never again—a remake of Thunderball. Uh, and we talked a little about how that exists, but I'll get into that next week. It's weird. Basically, this one guy who co-wrote with Thunderball owned some rights and could make his own Bond movie as long as it had the same plot as Thunderball and there are certain things they couldn't do. Like, they can't use the James Bond theme because that was created for, the, for movies predating Thunderball. So, like, it comes out the same year as Octopussy. It was sort of a battle of the Bonds, and Octopussy did better... Uh, at the box office but they use the Bond theme so much like just to show off going yeah check this out also at one point Bond's contact who's played by a real life tennis star who uh, uh, hits people with a tennis racket at one point Uh, he plays the James Bond theme to get his attention and that means James Bond knows he has a theme song which is wild. That's like Deadpool levels of meta awareness. I can only assume that he is either aware he's a fictional character or in his head he is thinking, hey, that's a song I hear whenever I punch somebody. <laughs> I don't know. I loved it. It made me really happy. Uh, having a great time rewatching these bonds, man. All right. And that brings us to American Pie Girls Rule. This is an interesting movie. In a lot of ways i don't mean interesting in the sense that it is at all interesting to watch but it is it came out in 2020 late 2020 which also sort of timestamps when i could have gotten this mysterious box set i assumed it was early pandemic now boy maybe it was early 2021 before we had vaccines and i was still not really going out. And I saw this at a store and thought, Hey, I'll watch these. That'll that would be funny. I don't know. I can't solve this mystery and it only it confuses things further. Uh, but one of the interesting thing, besides the fact it's a, all the leads are female in this one, uh, including a, a female Stifler, uh, no indication of how uh, she is related to past Stiflers. She could be a sister of one we've seen before. She could be a cousin. They don't really deal with that. That has also set it at East Great Falls High, even though it looks nothing like the school as previously portrayed. But uh, the other, the thing, two things that are really, really stand out about it is this is the first one that does not have any nudity in it whatsoever. Uh, honestly, other than language, and even that's pushing it, could have been PG-13. Uh, but the thing that is, me, is most interesting to me is, like I said, it came out in 2020. The last movie was American Reunion, which came out in 2012. They were cranking out a direct to DVD movie one a year for a while there. American Reunion comes out, kills the franchise. Uh, I looked into it a little. It cost $50 million and it grossed $57 million domestically. Uh, and when you figure, the, you know, marketing and such, it, it almost definitely lost money before you factor the international in. Whereas the first one cost $11 million and made $100 million. So You know, that made almost 10 times its money just domestically. Uh, and then Reunion just about broke even. So it kills it so bad they don't even do the spinoffs anymore. Now, this one comes out, it's released on DVD and Netflix at the same time. So... I'm guessing Netflix wanted to dip into exploiting some proven content. And I say proven in as thick an air quote as I can manage. And uh, that may also be the reason for the complete lack of sex and nudity. Uh, Netflix is is a little, uh, I I mean, I, I guess I just haven't seen anything from Netflix that I thought of as particularly risque, but, you know, they've put out things like Power of the Dog and, uh, like actual movies for adults with upsetting themes. Just anything they think young people will watch is pretty, pretty sanitized, I think. Uh, another thing, it, it came out October 6th, and there is a reference to Ruth Bader Ginsburg who died two weeks earlier. And I sort of wonder if Netflix, uh, when it was streaming if they just sort of dropped out that joke or subbed in another name uh, there's no way to know without doing research and I'm not going to I'm done with these movies now uh, here's the thing this one's fine it's nice that the main characters are are, are women uh, I mean and you know they get to do the you know some of the slapsticky stuff and it should be fun, but they're friends and we never really see them being friends. The plot hinges around them all making a, a, pact to, uh, not lose their virginity as in the first one, but to all have sex with the perfect guy at or before prom. But whoa, they've all decided on the same guy as the perfect guy. Um, but yeah, we never really see them being friends. Uh, it's, it's, it's very boring. Uh, there's a couple of funny jokes. There's, uh, uh, the, the principal slash neighbor is trying to seduce the main character's dad and standing out and like watering her lawn and spraying her top with the hose, which is a thing you see in movies. And meanwhile, dad is watching her from across the street and he just sprays his pants with the hose. It, I don't know. made me laugh. And also one of the girls is introduced, uh, she is introduced masturbating to a John F. Kennedy speech, which on the one hand is definitely just a ripoff of Fleabag and Obama. But there's something so weird about it, especially that it's Kennedy and it's his (laughs) awful, awful voice. Uh, And, you know, to me, that's that, that made me laugh. And then it got me wondering do people masturbate to people who are dead? Like I cannot think of a time when I would have done that knowingly, you know? I I mean, obviously people, people have died after, not as a result of, uh, you know, just, you know, how that can happen. And I'm just curious if, uh, you know, could have you masturbated to somebody, you know, to be dead? Uh, I don't want to know. It's uh, like, it's an interesting thing. I don't want to talk to anybody about it. Uh, I almost cited, cited an example and I decided that's more than I want people to know about me. Uh, I am desperate to not have private information. Uh, I don't even want you to know who I think is hot. So look, we're not going to talk about it. If you ask yes or no question, no, no, no gross. um, Anyway, uh so it perfect it it's perfectly fine. Like it didn't make me mad like some of them have done. It it wasn't weird enough to be compelling, but it was sort of like good natured. You know, I got through it. I'm not gonna watch it again or anything, but uh uh I wasn't you know, American Reunion was so miserable and so long, it was like ten end games. And this was just kind of, you know, 90 minutes, boom, 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 mostly pleasant. There you go. Uh, so for our final entry in American Pie versus Zack Snyder, American Pie v. Zack Snyder, Dawn of Disinterest. Uh, I, it pairs it up with the most recent movie in his filmography, Army of the Dead, which was his Netflix movie about uh, zombies in Vegas, but it's more about a heist, and they don't really show many zombies. And I was almost going to give this one to him because Army of the Dead has Dave Bautista in it, and I think he's he's a lot of fun to watch. And famously, Crystalia got cut from the movie after turning out to be a creep, and digitally replaced by Tignataro, which sounds fun. And I thought, hey, I'd like to see that. But as I said, this was a Netflix movie. It's been free to me and available to watch the entire time it's existed. And I have never, never said, hey, you know what, might as well watch Army of the Dead. Whereas I did say, well, might as well watch American Pie Presents Girls Rule. You know, on the one hand, it is for this project, but I still actually watched it. So I guess, given that I at one point made a choice to watch this and have never made the choice to watch... Watch Army of the Dead. This one goes to this one goes to girls. I'm sorry, I keep saying girls rule. It's girls rules, because they have rules for their pact. Uh, so it's going to American Pie. That makes the final score six to three. American Pie v Zack Snyder. Uh, not surprised. I think I am surprised by how much they won by. But you know what? Let's wrap up me ever talking about American Pie again. I'm going to rank the American Pie franchise one to nine, my top to my bottom. Uh, I almost wonder if I should count down to my favorite, but I'm going to lose track of which movies there are if I do that. So we'll start at the top. The best one is American Pie Presents. Yeah, that's right. You thought I was going to go with one of the theatrical movies. No, sir. The best one is American Pie Presents Book of Love. Book of Love, Top American Pie movie. Uh, it's it's just weird enough. It's less gross than most of the others. Uh, it has my current TV crush at an age when I am uh, where she's young enough that I am thoroughly uncomfortable with having seen her boobs. Uh, and given that we learned in American Reunion that, uh, 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 Eugene Levy, who does not appear in Girls Rules, so does it count as an American Pie movie? I think not. Uh, we learned that he lost his wife in 2009, which maybe means that the third act of this movie where he is uh, helping recreate the Book of Love is a project that's taking, that that's helping a grieving man fill his days. And that makes the movie take on a little bit of a different tone for me. If I had to watch an American Pie movie again, this is the one I'd pick. American Pie presents the Book of Love. Uh, Second place, I would go with the original American Pie, which, you know, I don't love the way some people do, but I was a grown adult the first time I saw it, and uh, I'm just getting older, and it's harder to, harder to, uh, I don't know, man. It's, you know, it's it's fine second place I will probably never watch it again but uh, I thank them for putting forth a good effort third place American Pie presents Bandcamp which I thought was terrible when I first watched it and part of that was how low my expectations have gotten but also that's one that's genuinely weird and so so much like a parody of teen sex comedies like you know, like the nerd who builds a robot that can spy on girls in the shower, which feels like something that that would be in a movie Homer Simpson would watch. Uh, and there's a story that's kind of sweet. So, yep, band camp number three. Number four, American Wedding. Uh, it's kind of into the realm of the later theatrical movies where they really sort of blow off the female cast and their... Uh, There's some truly stupid scenes, but it's ultimately nice. Uh, I feel like there was one thing I thought was funny, and I can't remember what it was now, but we're still giving it to American Wedding. That's four. Five. Straight up the middle. American Pie Presents Girls' Rules. Not objectionable. Not memorable. Uh, You know, I'm mostly mad at everything that's below this point, so this represents the demarcation line. Next one down, American Pie 2, which really just irritates me. Uh, It's all bigger and dumber versions of the things from the first movie. Uh, You know, if you watched it when you were young, you probably had a lot of fun. Uh, I just... uh, I didn't like it when I saw it in theaters. I didn't like it now. Number seven... It's close, but seven is going to be American Pie Presents Beta House, largely because I saw this four weeks ago and I don't remember a single thing about it. Uh, I remember not enjoying it, but absolutely nothing is stuck with me, uh, which means it can't be as objectionable as the bottom two. Number eight, American Reunion. It's bad. It's boring. It's really dismissive of the female cast. Uh, It's long, it's, it feels like people who sort of remembered the first movie got to make a sequel to it. And it's, it's, it's so much more mean-spirited than the original. Uh, It was, it was unpleasant to watch. And that means the worst one of the series is American Pie Presents The Naked Mile. And I'm surprised it came in this low because it does have the funny joke where it's revealed that the main character is on a horse in one scene. (laughs) He does not seem to be on a horse at first until the camera moves. And yes, he is in fact on a horse. That's funny. But it's also the one that's, it's got a lot of slurs in it. It's got some truly gross stuff. And it opens, and I will never forget this for as long as I live. It opens with the main character killing his grandmother by ejaculating on her. Uh, I cannot imagine a lineup of movies where this would not be at the bottom. Uh, So that's the American Pie series from EJ. I'm done. Uh, I think I'm going to do John Wick next. I don't think I'll cover those in the franchise report simply because at some point soon I'm going to be moving into the new format, which means I'll probably only do the franchise report on off weeks and then there'll be two marvels and two bonds to talk about and that's just going to get too timely I'll maybe talk about it a little at the end of a franchise or I'll watch non-franchise movies that I don't have to podcast about guys there's a lot of options the point is I'm done with the American Pie series Uh, we learned a lot Uh, I don't know what I'm walking away with but uh, I honestly it'll be a while before I want to see uh, before I want to see boobs I'm just I've been beaten down uh, they broke me that's it well before I go now after talking about being a broken man just want to remind you of my, my amazing sponsor Now it's actually by Summer, but I say .com so you, get, so you know it's a website that you could go to and buy things uh these terrific t-shirts uh, you know as I think you should leave there's the api which is my website and is of such a good design that people who do not know what the website is have complimented when they see me wearing the shirt and I have instead told them about Tees by summer rather than about my website uh, I know where the talent lies and that's what I'm going to promote uh, one of my coworkers mentioned uh, last week how much she likes the mugs on my desk. Those are teas by summer mugs. Uh, they are hanging out. Uh, they make me happy. I've got a set of the old ones from Tea Public, but more importantly, I have the new ones from Teas Summer dot com, which are it's beautiful. Just so well designed. Uh, I don't necessarily have the words to talk about design uh, in any kind of smart way, but I know what works on my eye, and these things work. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Nobody's better at, uh, at uh, coming up with text that is interesting but also legible. And that includes when it is uh, white text on a black background. Uh, there's a couple shirts that have that. Perfectly legible. No matter how far away you are, you know what's going on. I tried to reread Sandman in anticipation of the Netflix series Uh, even knowing full well it wouldn't be as meaningful to me as it was when I was a sad college kid and instead I'm a sad middle-aged man Uh, but you know I hadn't read it in 20 years I thought hey I'm going to reread Sandman nope forgot that the main character speaks in word balloons that are white text on black lettering and I cannot read them Uh, so look you want to ask me uh, who's a better letterer Teased by Summer or Gaspar. Huh. Not even a, not even a contest. Yeah. I'm calling you out Gaspar Saladino. I might have his last name wrong. He's usually just credited as Gaspar. Uh, I know, I know who I can read and who I can't. Anyway, the best. There's a great water bottle that I love that is, that's funny and also is sort of the perfect size to take on a, on a, on a short walk. Uh, it's small enough. It's not going to be heavy, or you know, you, you can clip it to a belt loop. It's not going to pull your pants down. It's not going to be a TSA situation. Uh, but it keeps keeps your water nice and cold. It's great. It is. I'm getting so much use out of a out of this this perfectly designed little water bottle. Uh, I cannot say enough good things. Uh, the only reason I'm going to stop saying good things right now is because I need to finish recording so I can watch Better Call Saul. Uh and that's it for this week. Next week will maybe be TV talk. Um you can uh the a I am writing something that I'll put up uh hopefully soon. I'm going to try to I keep saying I'm going to try to get back in writing, but but uh, the, uh get back and writing good good words. Uh but every time I say that I end up getting depressed and then it's hard to write, but I'm, gonna, I'm at the very least going to bring back the enthusiasm list where at the beginning of every month I talk about things that are upcoming that I'm excited about. Um, you can find me on Twitter at EJ Fettis, on Instagram at EJ underscore uh, And that's pretty much all I got. Uh, so check those out. Check out teasbysummer.com. Spend some money. And come back next week for... I don't know, we gotta talk about the rehearsal. The rehearsal's so good. Watch watch that, HBO Max. It's Nathan Fielder doing his thing but in an extremely granular fashion. It's great, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Fed Talks is a faux boys production. What